Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. If you're new to New Life, I'm Pastor Chris, and we welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus. As we start off a new year, we have some two actually really special things that are happening during the month of January. First off, today starts our annual 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, and second, we're kicking off our first message series of this new year. We've titled it Learn, love, live, and lead like Jesus, which offers us the opportunity to see how Jesus guides us in four vital areas of our lives. It also leads us to January the 28th, where we'll be passing the leadership baton from me to Pastor Alex as our lead pastor. So if you've never participated in one of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I simply want to let you, I want to tell you that investing three weeks of time in prayer and fasting can be a life-transforming experience. After many years of really not making a very big deal about fasting, about five years ago, I got serious about it. And since then, I've been challenging each of us to take that time in January, this time in January, when we set apart our days uh, to especially to pray and per perhaps to fast. Now, I have not fasted for a year. The reason is because I wasn't allowed to fast during my time of having the surgeries. The doctors told me I needed, uh, my body needed the energy. Well, um, two weeks ago when I went to my surgeon for my checkup after my second hip replacement surgery, I said, am I allowed to fast? He said, yes, I think, I think you're good to go. So uh, that might not sound like an exciting thing for many of you. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But the reality is when we fast, what we're doing is abstaining from food and or water for a period of time to focus on God. One of the first things I learned five years ago when I did the 21 days of fasting and did it more seriously than I've ever done it before is how I let my feelings and my body rule me like they're in charge of me. After a few hours of not eating, I can get a little bit irritable. I often find myself less patient. When I'm on an extended fast, the first few days, I really don't feel that great. I get headaches, I, I get fatigue, irritability, a general sense of, of just agitation. And if you're thinking, Pastor Chris, you're not doing anything to convince me that I should be fasting over these 21 days, let me say that after the first few days, it really changes. And I, I really sense God's closeness and my focus becomes more on God. And really at the end of the first week, I start to feel better than I have really since the last time I went on an extended fast. So if you have never fasted before, I'm not suggesting that you should fast for 21 days. But what I am suggesting is that you consider fasting from a meal each day during these 21 days, or maybe you just fast one day a week during the three weeks. The point of fasting is to draw closer to God. It's not to abuse ourselves physically. And so if you have, want to know more about fasting or you have questions during these three weeks, really anytime during the next three weeks, please feel free to email me at chris at newlifexn.org. Uh, also, during these three weeks, we're going to do something a little different this year. The YouVersion Bible app, we set up a special New Life thing uh, for these 21 days. It's, a, it's an express version of the Nikki Gumbel Through the Year Bible Study. Some of you have already signed up for it. If you haven't signed up for it, it really wasn't working correctly yesterday, but I think they fixed the glitches so you can sign up for it. It provides a daily devotional scripture reading and also the opportunity to interact with some of the folks here at New Life that are participating in this time of fasting and prayer. 
So as we planned our messages for this month of January, we wanted to address the major change that's coming to our life family at the end of the month, three weeks from today, as a matter of fact. Pastor Alex becomes the lead pastor. So this process has taken six years. God made it clear to me back in 2018, in the summer of 2018, that June 30th, 2024, would be my end date as a full-time pastor here at New Life. So as time progressed and we got closer, actually a couple years ago, we realized something. We wanted to make the transition from lead pastor being me to somebody else in January, in this month of January. Two years ago, it seemed like a long time away. (laughs) Now it's three weeks. Uh, So anyway, because we wanted to celebrate the new lead pastor, it turns out it's Pastor Alex, we're actually going to have a a dinner at 5 o'clock on the 28th of January, and then we're going to have an installation service for him as the new lead pastor as we look forward to this you know, really a new moment in New Life's future. If you would like to join us, you do need to sign up at newlifexn.org slash register. And as of last night, there were 80 spaces available because since it's a meal, we can only fit so many people. So we hope that you'll join us for that. And uh, then in June of this year, 30th of of June, we're going to have a celebration, actually an outdoor celebration, sort of reminiscent of the olden days of new life when we used to come here to the property and have uh, outdoor services once a month during those years. So if you're thinking, wait a minute, you just said it's been six years. Why do you plan so far ahead? Well, here at New Life, we seek always to discern discern and do God's will as it's revealed in God's written word and through prayer. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but God's pretty intentional. Before the creation of the universe, he knew that he was creating us. He knew that he was going to send Jesus because he knew that we were going to fall. He knew all of those things, and he planned all of those things and set them all into motion. So here at New Life, we don't just think about today. We don't just think about tomorrow, but we do think about, you know, this year and next year. And we realize that Jesus could come back next week or today for that matter, but we also know that we want to plan to be ready for him to return. So he calls us to live our lives intentional every day, intentionally, and we do that by reading the scripture and by investing in special times of prayer and fasting, but as Barb asks us to do, every day to worship God and to to spend time with him. So our Learn and Love, Live and Lead Like Jesus series focuses on Jesus' life and ministry. And that's really almost redundant here at New Life because every series focuses on Jesus' life and ministry. But this message today is one of, it's actually the only message we could preach from the era of Jesus' life before he started his earthly ministry. There's only one time that we know about after Jesus' birth in his really early life that we find Jesus doing something, and actually what he's doing is learning. He was 12 years old, and we find it in Luke chapter 2. So we're going to turn there, but before we do that, let's look at the take-home point for today. The take-home point, for those of you who are new, is that one point that we're going to glean from Scripture that we want to live out in the week ahead, and here it is. Jesus learned by listening, asking questions, and obeying God's word and will. So the very first thing that Jesus did to learn was listen. Do you realize that listening is a learned skill? We aren't born with the ability to listen. In fact, when we're born, all we care about is ourselves. If you've ever seen a little baby, did you ever have a little baby say, would you say that again? I didn't quite catch that. No, a little baby, what they do is they say, feed me. They won't say it, but, you know, they'll they'll make it very clear. I need fed, I need changed, I need held, to be held. 
Let's do proper grammar here. I need to be held. And please don't put me down. They won't say that, but don't put me down. But eventually, that little baby, if that little baby's nurtured and cared for, will eventually realize there's other people around. And those other people matter too. And the only way we can really learn from them is by listening to them. So Jesus showed us how much we can learn by listening. We'll see that in the scripture today. Then the best way that I really know how to learn is by asking questions. About three decades ago, when our daughter, Abby, our older daughter, was a little more than a toddler, we took a a trip to Colorado and we visited my brother, Jim. My brother, Jim, had one of the nicest yards in Denver, Colorado. And so we're walking through the yard and Abby was saying, what's that flower, Uncle Jim? What's that flower, Uncle Jim? What's that little thing there? Why do you have a sprinkler system? What's that bug over there? And after about 100 questions, my brother Jim said, you sure do ask a lot of questions. And without hesitation, Abby said, that's the way you learn, Uncle Jim. And that is the way you learn, by asking questions, by listening. However, you realize even if you listen and you ask questions, you don't learn unless you apply what you heard and the things that people told you. The reality is, in the case of listening and asking questions about God's word and will, we learn the way Jesus did only when we obey God's word and will. So let's look at the scripture that tells us about that moment when Jesus was listening and asking questions, and then obeying, which was how he learned. So it's in Luke chapter 2, starts in verse 41. Before we turn there, let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we have your written word, that for for thousands of years, people have literally risked their lives to preserve your written word, so we have it today, so we can turn to it, so we can find out not only who you are, but who we are supposed to be in you. We thank you so much for these words we're about to read. And as we turn to Luke 2, we pray that you'll open our spirits, our souls and our bodies, our lives to receive your truth and that we can be equipped to, uh, to learn like your son Jesus and ultimately to love, live and lead like him as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So in Luke 2, 41, it says this, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Now, if you're thinking, it's a good thing they didn't have CYS back in those days because Jesus would have been taken from Mary and Joseph. You need to realize that it was a very different world. When people from Nazareth traveled the hundred miles to Jerusalem for for Passover, they did it as family groups. There might have been dozens and dozens of people all traveling together, and Jesus was in that group. So when they left to come home, Mary and Joseph weren't concerned. They figured Jesus was with one of the aunts or uncles or somebody else. But at the end of the first day, when they stopped for the night, they started going around saying, anybody seen Jesus? Anybody seen Jesus? Anybody seen Jesus? Nobody saw Jesus. And at first, they probably were a little scared, and maybe eventually they got a little terrified And they realized that Jesus was nowhere to be found. So they backtracked. Even though it was evening, they started on their journey back to 
Jerusalem. Biblical scholars tell us that Jerusalem was swelled to three to four times its normal size during Passover because of all the people who came from all over Israel and really other countries for Passover. But the people were heading home, so maybe there weren't quite so many people, but still, where do you start to look for your 12-year-old son when it comes time to go back to Jerusalem, a big city, the biggest city in Jerusalem at that time, and still to this day, well, actually, Tel Aviv is probably a little bigger. But anyway, Jerusalem was a very big city. So here's what it says. Three days later, think about that. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Three days of searching, and they finally find Jesus in the temple. It says he was sitting among the religious teachers and Look what it says, listening to them and asking questions. That's where I got the first two of the three methods that Jesus used to learn. Jesus was 12. In our day, 12 is just the beginning of adolescence. In Jesus' day, 12 was the beginning of adulthood. So Jesus was just about on the cusp of becoming a man as far as the people in that day considered. Now, what we see is Jesus didn't just listen. He didn't just ask questions. It says, that he also, it says, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. For three days, Jesus had been sitting there listening, asking questions, and then whenever they asked him some questions, he gave answers, and everybody was amazed. This kid's 12 years old, young, very young man, and he knows so much. It's amazing, and the reality is, if you're thinking, of course he knew everything. He's the son of God. I want you to understand something. When Jesus came to the earth as a baby, he didn't know everything. In fact, the apostle Paul makes it very clear. In the second uh, chapter of Philippians, he says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus emptied himself. That means he didn't know everything when he was born. He had to learn just as we do. And a big part of his learning process was listening and asking questions. So I have a question for us. How much time do you invest in listening and asking questions each day? Jesus came to the earth the same way we have come as babies. As he grew up, he learned to listen and to ask questions. That process gives everybody an advantage over other people. Do you realize when we listen and ask questions, we can learn what other people know and not just recycle what we already know? If you never listen and you never ask a question, all you have is what you already have. But when you listen and ask questions, you can start to learn. I've offered us a formula over the past decade about this whole learning and transformation process. I say it this way, information minus application equals information, but information plus application equals transformation. My point is information by itself doesn't change us. It's only when we apply it. But here's the thing. We do have to have information and we live in an information saturated world. In fact, I could pull out my phone right now and I could ask Google any question I want to ask and I'm going to get millions of answers in less than a second. That's not the way it was in Jesus' day. 
information was passed by word of mouth from one person to the next person. And you know what? If you wanted to know God's truth, do you realize you had to go to the temple in Jerusalem or to a synagogue or to a religious leader's home because nobody had copies of the scriptures in their home. We're so used to having a Bible. I mean, I have dozens of Bibles. I literally do have dozens of Bibles. And actually, I have hundreds of Bibles right here in my phone. But Jesus couldn't do that. That's why he went to the temple. He knew that the temple was the house of God, his heavenly father. He knew that the religious leaders there would be the ones that he could listen to and ask questions. He knew that he would gain information that he would use two decades later when his earthly ministry started to transform the world. So here's what happened when Mary and Joseph finally find Jesus. It says his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked, didn't you know I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. You know, it had to be tough being Jesus' parents. I mean, Mary and Joseph knew that Jesus was God's son, but he was also their son. They, they raised, I mean, well, I mean, we just, you know, spent a whole month in December talking about that amazing birth, but it was pretty traumatic as well. And then they had to leave Israel and go to Egypt and live there as exiles for several years perhaps as many as five or six years before they came back to Nazareth. During that time, Mary and Joseph basically taught Jesus how to speak. They potty trained him. I don't know if you ever thought about that. And eventually, Joseph taught Jesus the skill of carpentry. And as that whole process went on, when he was 12 years old, Jesus already knew that God was his heavenly father. He knew that the temple was the place where he needed to go to find out information. He couldn't get it home. And the reality is, it sort of sounds like this interaction between Mary and Joseph and Jesus was a little bit of an argument, but it really wasn't. The next couple of verses make that clear. It says, then Jesus returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus obeyed his parents. How much is summed up in that simple statement? Jesus obeyed his parents. All of us come to a point in our lives when we don't want to obey our parents anymore, right? You know, we think at some point that we know more than they do. Some of us continue to obey grudgingly. Some of us openly rebel. And the reality is when I was five, I started to think I knew more than my parents. When I was 15, I was absolutely certain I knew more than my parents. But they knew more than I did about most things. But here's the truth. Jesus probably did know more about God than Mary and Joseph, even when he was 12. Because even though he was born as a baby, he is fully God and fully human. So he had that connection, which was eternal because he's part of God from all eternity. And so Jesus is starting to live this new life where he's a human being, but he's also the son of God. And that's starting to come together. But one thing Jesus always did, he always obeyed his parents. Why did he do that? because it was part of the learning process. And what he knew was when he obeyed his parents, he was obeying his heavenly father. We find the fifth of the 10 commandments says, honor your father and mother. Remember our take home point, Jesus learned by listening and asking questions and obeying God's word and will. So part of Jesus' learning process was learning to obey God by obeying his parents. Jesus applied the information he knew through, through obedience and as he did that, 
he learned. A long time ago, I heard a speaker say, to know and not to do is not yet to know. When Jesus obeyed his parents, he was demonstrating that he actually knew what was right. And he was willing to do what was right. Not only was he willing, but he always did what was right. We live in a culture who thinks it's enough to know something. We don't think we have to actually do something. We just have to know it. And where do we get that idea? Well, some people have told me Jesus told them that. You know what Jesus said? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, all we need to do is know it, right? Well, no. If you look at the context of that verse, the verse before it says this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We are Jesus' disciples when we remain faithful to his teachings, which means when we obey them. So the truth only sets us free when we apply it in our everyday lives. Luke concluded his record of Jesus' early learning with this statement. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus listened. He asked questions. He obeyed his father's word and will. And all that took place every day for years for decades. Do you realize that? Wisdom happens in every one of our lives by intentionality. We grow wise when we learn information and then we apply it. When we learn information and apply it, and it's God's word, then we become wise over time. It's a lifelong process. You can live to be 100 years old and you never know everything. You can continue to grow. But you know, it says Jesus grew in wisdom, but what else it says? It says he grew in stature. Stature just means he grew physically. Jesus was a baby, then he was a toddler, then he was an elementary student, then he grew up. And you know what? We all do that, right? And we we do that naturally. A baby becomes a toddler. A toddler becomes an elementary age student. An elementary age student becomes a middle schooler. I'll never forget when I was in seventh grade, the summer after seventh grade, between seventh and eighth grade, those three months, I grew seven inches in height. It caused literal growing pains. But the first thing that happened when I walked through the door of the school that that day is the high school basketball coach came up to me and said, how tall is your dad? And I said, 5'8". And he went, oh. Because I was as tall that day as I am now. I never grew anymore physically in height. I'm a little over six feet tall. I've always been a little over six feet tall since I was in eighth grade. But you know what else? Physical growth It sort of changes from stuff that we look forward to to stuff that we don't look forward to. My hair used to be dark brown, almost black. I used to have all original parts. Now a lot of them have been taken out or replaced. You know, that kind of thing is not fun, that part of it. But the good thing is, even when that kind of stuff starts to happen, we can continue to grow in wisdom. We can continue to grow in obedience to God. So notice the last area of Jesus' growth. It says, Jesus grew in favor with God and all the people. So Jesus learned that true growth and true learning isn't just about learning information. It isn't even just applying the information in obedience. What it is, true growth, true learning always includes growing closer to God and growing closer to others. Jesus wanted to grow closer to God and to others because he knew why we were created. He was there when we were created. He knew that God created us for relationship first with himself, and then with each other. Think about all the reasons that people acquire knowledge in this planet. 
Some people acquire knowledge so they can be smarter than everybody else. Some people acquire knowledge because they want to control everybody else. Some people acquire knowledge because they want to have more stuff than everybody else. And, and for, to a degree, all of those things are valid reasons. But here's the thing. The ultimate reason for learning is to draw closer to God and others. When we listen to God and others, listen to God and others, what happens? We draw closer to them. When we ask questions of God and others, we come to understand them better. And when we obey God and others, which requires submitting our wills to their wills, we become like Jesus. Do you realize that the core of Jesus' life was a willingness not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many? We're gonna come back to that passage, that verse that I just quoted, when we talk about Jesus as a leader at the end of the month. But for right now, remember, Jesus learned how to lead by learning how to obey his heavenly father and his earthly parents. The same is gonna be true of us because the truest form of leadership grows out of a life devoted to learning, loving, and living like Jesus. You and I can do that by doing today's next step. It says, I will learn by listening and asking questions and obeying God's word and will this week. One of the things I've often thought about is Jesus is the son of God. When he came to earth, he could have made it so hard for us to learn what it means to love like him, live like him, and lead like him that nobody could have ever done it. He could have made it so hard that only a very few people could do it. But you know what Jesus did? He put the cookies on the bottom shelf. He made it so that all of us can love like he loves, can live like he lives, can learn like he learns, and ultimately even lead like he leads. Why did he do that? Because Jesus came here for a purpose. He came here to change us from the inside out so that we would be the people that we were created to be before the foundation of the universe. He did that so that we could live lives of meaning and purpose for today and forever. So, living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, learning like Jesus, leading like Jesus, all of those things are simple. But they're not all that easy because we don't come out of our mother's womb (laughs) desiring those things, but desiring what we want. So it's so simple, but not always easy. As we listen, as we ask questions, as we obey God's word and will, the world is going to see Jesus in us because they know that's not natural. And what greater gift could we give to the world in 2024 than lives that reflect Jesus so that they can ultimately come to know him? Amen? So maybe you're asking yourself a question right now. Can I really do that? Can I really learn like Jesus? Can I really love, live, lead like Jesus? And the answer, short answer is yes, you can. I can, we can. But we can only do it when we stop living the fallen life that all of us were born into and live the new life that Jesus came to give us. One of the things, I I read this recently, and it it really hit me hard. I don't know why I never thought about this before. Do you realize that Jesus is the only one who planned to be born? None of us planned to be born. We were just born, you know? Some woman decided she was going to have a baby, and we got born. But Jesus purposely came to this earth. He came purposely to this earth so that we could learn what it means to have a relationship with the living God of the universe and to have one. So here at New Life, we say, you know, living the life in Jesus, it's not that easy, but understanding and starting that life is simple. It's as simple as A, B, C. 
A means we admit. We admit that we don't come out of our mother's wombs listening or learning or asking questions. We come out saying, I, me, my. We admit that. And then we believe the truth that Jesus, the only person who came purposely to this earth, came and lived a perfect life that nobody else could ever do. And then he died on the cross willingly to pay the penalty that we owed for sin. And then he rose from the dead and he returned to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so we can live new lives. We believe that. We believe that Jesus is Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, and Lord, which means master, owner, and God. And when we believe those things, that's important, but then we actually transfer ownership from ourselves to him, and we confess to God, I'm not in charge anymore. Jesus is now my Lord. He's now my Savior, and I need you to do one more thing for me. Give me your Holy Spirit so I can live that new life (laughs) that you created me to live before you created the universe. And when we do that, the beginning of a new life happens. We're, Jesus said, born again. And we get to start living that new life where we listen and learn and and live in love and ultimately lead like Jesus. So if you want that right now and you've never received it, let's pray. I'm going to pray as if I'm you and, and you can pray with me and you can start this new life, new year 2024 with Jesus in charge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for creating the universe and all that it exists. Thank you for creating us as the pinnacle of your creation, reflecting your image in our lives. And God, thank you that when we turned away from you, that you did not turn away from us. Thank you for sending Jesus, who became one of us so we can ultimately become one with you. God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit that I don't put you first. I don't put others first, I put me first. I believe right now that that needs to change because Jesus is Savior and Lord and I I trust Him and I transfer ownership of my life to Him. And God, I confess that to you and I will confess it in this coming year to my family, my friends, people around me and I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can do that with graciousness and so I can do it in a way that points to you and not to me. God, for all of us who have made a commitment like that, maybe last year, maybe a decade ago, maybe 50 years ago, I pray that you will pour your Holy Spirit into us new and fresh, that in this new year we can live every single moment of every single day like Jesus, that we can learn like him, love like him, live and lead like him to your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.